Every year the Lord gives me a theme for the year. Don't take away from our mission. It don't take away from our vision that the Lord has given us. It, it really gives us a focal point for that mission and for that vision, right? Um, so the theme that he gave me this year, and really he's giving all of us, I think it's, it's a phenomenal strategy because the closer we get to the coming of Jesus Christ, the more we have to be evangelistic-minded, period. God didn't save us to sit in the church and just clap our hands and rejoice and just, and just worship him. Even when we're in heaven, we won't just worship the Lord. There will be things that we will be doing for the Lord. Can you say amen? And there's a lot of work to be done here on this earth. There's a lot of work to be done here in Alexandria and the surrounding areas. You know, I don't know the, the, the actual uh, uh, numbers right now, but there was one a couple years ago, there was a, a number that went out that, you know, there was 38,000 people in Douglas County, but only 6,000 people say that they go to church on any given Sunday. Out of the 38,000 here in Douglas County, that number's a little more now than when I first heard that. But if there is 38,000 who live in our, our area, in our, our county, and God has told us he, he has given us influence to a 100-mile radius, so I'm believing it's going way out. Amen? Lives that we're touching. But at the same time, if there's only 6,000 that say they go to a church, and you can guarantee this, that all 6,000 probably aren't saved. Because not everyone that goes to church is saved. Right? It didn't say come to church and get saved. It says believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. So there we go. I mean, 20, what is it? I said 38,000, 6,000. We got 32,000 people just on our own area plus that need the gospel. And guess who gets to go do it? Take your finger and go like this. Bring it back like this. You get to do it. It's you. And it's nothing to be scared about. It's something to get excited about. Because if you want to grow in your gifts and if you want to grow in your calling, you have to go. God won't, he already, when he tells you to go, he gives you exactly what you need in order to go. And as you go, he'll give you everything else that you need along the way. But you have to go. And that's what this whole series is about. It's about getting us other people minded. Not just thinking about ourselves. You heard of the saying, not just my four and no more. No, every single person. We want to be open to God. I feel a desire burning inside of me. I've been seeking God about it, but even just uh, with the YWAM group being here and, and even before that with just going over these things that God has placed in, in my heart and Pastor Natasha's hearts and some of your hearts, I'm just getting fired up. And I'm telling you what, there's areas of my life where it may be a little out of my comfort zone, but I'm, I'm about, uh, there's a, tenacious, a tenacity rising up on the inside and I'm, I'm excited about doing some things that I'm uncomfortable about in order to advance the kingdom of God. Can someone say a hearty amen? amen? Because he's going to be with us every step of the way, but we have to step so that he can have his way. Amen? So with this whole thing, usually the Lord gives me kind of the theme sometime around the summertime. At the latest, it's usually, you know, early, early fall. And this past year, maybe it was because of COVID. I don't know. Just blame everything on COVID, right? The refrigerator ain't, ain't, ain't working. Ah, it's COVID, right? Whatever. And uh, <laughs> anyhow, uh, it was getting closer. We're like in November. And I'm like, Lord, I mean, you know, you haven't, you haven't given me. I've been, I was seeking the Lord take some time to fast and, and pray. I was like, Lord, you haven't given me anything yet. What are we going to do? Are we just going to, last year's theme was be the difference, you know? Are we going to be the difference times two? You know, what are we going to do, God? 
And I was praying about it, and I did some fasting, and the Lord gave me a dream. And in that dream, he gave me four things. And it was like me and another minister were there, and we were ministering to a group of people just like this. It wasn't really necessarily a church setting. It was just a setting, almost like a school setting, and just talking. And it was only four things that were mentioned, two questions and two requests. And the first was this, who is next? Who is next? You know, we've all stood in the line where we were waiting for someone to say who's next so we could be served, but we're behind the counter and we're saying who's next because there's so many people living in our own community that need to be served with the fresh bread and the fresh drink of the word and the spirit of God. Can you say amen? We have to be other people focused. To say who's next is getting our eyes off of us and getting our eyes on other people. Who's next? There's someone else that God wants to use you to touch. And by his power, transform. And you get, for, you get front row seats. How much better is that? When you're obedient to God, you're the one who gets the front row seat. You're at the front of the line. You get to see it all. You get to see God do what only he can do. Amen? And then the second question was this, was what's keeping me, it's, a, it's personal, what is keeping me from seeing and serving others? Because I guarantee there's something. If you're not out and telling people about the love of God and, and showing them the gospel of Jesus Christ, who he is, what he's done, and what's available to them, then there's some hindrances going on. Let's just admit to it right now. Lord, we got hindrances. And we want to know what is keeping us. But I can't, I can't look for you. I mean, there might be some things the Lord could help us use for each other because we all got blinders. But if we'll go to him ourselves and ask him, God, what is keeping me? from seeing and serving others with the love of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because loving them isn't enough. I mean, if we're really going to love them, we're going to share the gospel. Come on now. It's just not doing acts of love. It's really, you know, declaring and sharing with them the gospel of Jesus Christ, who he is. That's the simplicity of the gospel, who Jesus is, what he has done, and what he has made available to everyone, everyone who will believe. That's awesome. So there's our two questions. Then there's two requests that we make to God, two requests where we're asking as believers, we have to ask this. Every day waking up, I'm, I'm asking the Lord, I wake up, I say, Lord, you know, not only who's next, you know, what's keeping me? And, and it, sometimes whenever God will give you something, he'll show you kind of who's next, right? Then you're, 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 you're dealing with it. Well, I feel a little nervous here. Okay, what's keeping me? Why am I nervous? You just got to ask some tough questions to yourself. Why am I afraid right now? Why am I afraid just to walk over them and say hi and start a conversation? And it could be a stranger. It could be more than likely. It's probably going to be people you're acquainted with already that you see every day because real life change happens in relationship. Come on. You've heard the, you've heard the thing, you know, there was, a, there was a pastor of a mega church and he asked people, he said, how many people were ever saved at like a, a huge event like a Billy Graham crusade? And several people put up their hand. Mega church, thousands of people. How many people were saved in church, came to a church service and you got saved? A little more people put up their hand. And he said, how many people got saved because someone that you know told you about Jesus? And the, almost the whole congregation put their hands up. Life change happens in the context of relationships. God will use you with somebody you're already acquainted with. It could be a real close relative. It could be someone at work or someone that you just see on a kind of a daily basis or a weekly basis that you've already got a little bit of rapport with, right? That you can speak into their lives. 
So we're asking God, we're making that request, God, show me the one. Show me the one. Who do you want me to pursue with your love today? It could be a daily thing. It could be a seasonal thing. It might, God may put your, one person on your heart that you may be seeking or are really going after and just really imparting into them for a season of time. That's what I'm doing right now. There's someone God put in my heart and, and we're going through some things and spending some time together and just all that I can do to help that person become more like Jesus. Any question they got, if I don't have the answers, I say, I just don't got the answers, but together let's seek God about it and he'll give it to us. You don't have to have all the answers, but you, you want to open that door so they can see Jesus. Amen. So who's next? What's keeping me from seeing and serving others? That's really dealing with our own fears. We're asking God to show us, you know, that, that request, show us the one. Who do you want me to pursue with your love and gospel? And then the last request is this, give me something to give to them. How much more confidence would you have if you already have something to give to the one that God already showed you to go to? Come on. I mean, you showed me the one, Lord, but what do I do? Well, he gives you something to give to them. This is why we ask, God, give me something to give to them. It could be a word of knowledge. This is a great place where the, where the, spirit, the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit can come forth in your life. Give me something to give to them. It could be, it could be an act of kindness. It could be uh, you know, an action that he wants you to take. It could be a word. You know what? A lot of things that God will use to give through you is things that he's already given to you. This is why we say get into the word on a daily basis because God will give you a nugget that day. And if you ask him about it, he'll, that someone around in your realm of influence is going to need that nugget that that you just experienced with God that morning. It's that powerful. They're going to need exactly what you need. He's like, you know what? Let me just share you what God gave to me. And that you might even not even know. You may be just totally unaware of And they'll say, that's exactly what I needed. That is exactly what I needed. So we're believing that God will give us what they need. And not just give us something. Give us exactly what they need. Even if we're unaware of it. It don't matter if we're aware of it or not. Exactly what it just. He gives it to us, and it's going to be exactly what they need to draw them closer to him because he wants them to taste and see that he is good. Is he good? Amen. We want other people to taste and see that he's good. Amen? Hallelujah. So, you know, the church at large, you know, there's, we have convictions. But I heard someone say this before, you know, um, it's great to have conviction. We've got to have conviction, but we also have to be obedient to the man. There's a kingdom mandate. There's kingdom conviction. There's a kingdom mandate, Right? And someone once said this, they said that conviction says, I will die for this. A mandate, really the kingdom mandate says this, I will die to achieve this, to go after this. It's more, you know, to, to say I'll die for this is really, it's about what we have. The mandate is what we will be or desiring and willing to die for to pass on to the next generation. Hey, we're only here for a season. Every single one of us, we're only here for a season. And we want to be able to impart to other people. And I'm sorry, I don't have, uh, I dropped the ball this week with everything that was going on. So you don't have anything on the screen except that lovely picture that Stacy Crone put together for us. Praise the Lord. Someone go, woohoo. Thank you, Stacy. Uh, so I want, to, I want to read you some scriptures here. This is the first scripture. I, I read this in the Message Bible. I thought it was really awesome. You've heard of the, you know, you are the salt of the world. You are the light of the world. Listen to what it says here. Let me tell you why you're here. Let's just get into it. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors in this earth. You know, we've all been through difficult times in life. But it's funny, 
when we experience God in his presence, he just throws a little seasoning on us. Even in the midst of a hard time, it just makes it a little bit better. Because anything is better with Jesus, right? Well, there's people that are going through hard times in their life, and we walk around as the seasoning for them. They see life as bitter. They see life with no purpose at all. They, it, it, there's, everyone's against me. No, you have one who is for you. He's not against you. All we're doing is taking every lie that this world and the enemy, Satan, that's the enemy, every lie that he speaks, we, that's part of our job, is to speak to that lie with the truth. Because we don't want them to continue to walk in that lie when we know the truth. So we understand where they're coming from, and we've been there ourselves, so we could easily say, I know how you feel. I have been there. Can I share with you how God helped me in this situation? And you're just throwing a little bit of God's seasoning on it. You can't make them eat, right? They got to eat that bite. But someone said, you can't, you know, you can't uh, make, a, make a horse drink water, but you can put salt in his oats, right? Get him thirsty. So... We're not going to give up. And I'm, you know, Jesus despised the shame. He despised everything that he had to go through in order to get the door open for us to come back to the Father. He despised it. If we go out and we witness to somebody and we share with somebody and they shut us down, I'm not going to get discouraged by that. I refuse to allow that to get in my, I know I'm not going to receive that rejection because they're not rejecting us anyhow. If anything, it should really just spur inside of us to want to pray for them more, to seek God for them more. I mean, you think about it, people that you've witnessed to, if you've been there, I've had people slam the door in my face and I'm going door to door witnessing. I remember this one old lady here in Alexandria and we were going on, we even had groceries, we were giving groceries to people if they needed them and some people would take them, they let us pray for them. Some people would say, hey, um, we don't need groceries, but two, two doors down, I think they could use them. You need to go over there, but you can pray for me. And I remember this one old lady, she, she was pretty old then. I don't know if she's still around. This is several years back. I just mentioned Jesus. I said, you know, we're just with a local church. We didn't even say Spirit Life Church. We just said, we're just with a local church. We just want to love on people. Love to be able to, to pray with you. Is there anything we could pray for? And just tell you a little, about, a little bit about Jesus. And as soon as I said Jesus, she just shut the door. And she said, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. You just get off my property. You think, I didn't walk away rejected. I walked away with a heart with a, a a burdened heart because somewhere along the line she was hurt very deeply disappointed and now you know i don't know if she's still alive or not but sometimes you recite those stories you bring them back god put that person back on your heart to pray for them you know we don't take the time as we really need to as the church to get on our knees and pray for people we want the drive-by salvation when if we would do what's needed beforehand to get on our knees and to really cry out, really cry out, really let the Spirit of God pray through you. Sometimes it can get pretty ugly. Get some tissue, right? People and the kids knocking on the door, what's going on in there? It's okay, Jesus, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So he says, you're here to be a salt season that brings out God flavor in the earth. And then he says this in the next verse. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world, helping them to see, taste and helping them to see. Isn't that what the scripture says in Psalms? Taste and see 
that the Lord is good. God is not a secret to be kept, it goes on. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. As a church, we can't hide anymore. To be honest with you, there'll be some people that will come in because of your witness. They'll come into the church because of your witness. Majority of people won't come just because there's a sign on the, on the, on the front lawn that says Spirit Life Church. I mean, God can direct people. Majority of people will come because of your life witness to them. But your life witness has to be out there. Who's next? What's keeping me? Show me the one, right? So here's where we're at. The scripture that we have is really our theme for this whole year is what we're teaching from is actually in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'll read it to you. We've broken this down over four weeks. We're going to finish it up today. It says this, you be sober in all things. Let's stop there for a second because the apostle Paul was talking to Timothy, right? He left him in Ephesus to, you know, to complete what he wasn't able to complete because he continued on his mission journey. He gave him some instruction. He's told Timothy, you. So go ahead and point to somebody and say, you. Come on, just do it. Now point back and say, me. So all these four things are for you and for me. You be sober in all things. Now we use this to really talk about that really being other people-minded, recognizing that there are people that God intends for you and me to serve. And it goes on and says, you endure hardship. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take some sacrifice. It's going to take away some time for some other things that, to be honest with you, are not eternal. These other activities, they're not eternal. We're talking about eternal activities that we want to be interested in and invested in. You endure hardship. This is dealing with that, those eternal fears that are keeping us from seeing and ministering to others. And he goes on, you do the work of an evangelist. You don't have to be called as an evangelist, a five-fold minister in the office of an evangelist to do the work of an evangelist. The word evangelist means this, the teller of good news. There's no greater news than what Jesus did. Man, there should have been an amen right there. There is no greater news than what Jesus did. We had a friend in Florida. That's, that's how he started off every conversation with somebody. I was with him one time at McDonald's, and he was the one before me. He walked up and said, can I take your order? And he's like, hey, have you heard the good news? They're like, no, what's the news? Jesus loves you. He died for you. I'd love to be able to tell you about the gospel. You know, and just, I just, he's just bold in it. Now he's in heaven. In Jesus' name. You, be sober in all things. Do, endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Now here's where we are in looking at this scripture for this theme for this year. You fulfill your ministry. Every single one of you have a ministry. You are to be sober in all things, endure the hardship that needs to be taken place. You need to do the work of an evangelist, and you need to fulfill your ministry. I want to be it said of us in this generation, our church, the churches in our areas, the churches in the world, in this generation, like it was said of David, that he fulfilled all that God had commanded him to do in his generation. I want all of us to fulfill all that God has called us to do in our generation. And this comes, falls under that, that second request where we're asking God, give me exactly what they need so that they can experience you. Give me exactly what they need. 
So let's look at this real quick. Fulfill your ministry. The word fulfill means this, complete, carry out, entirely accomplish. Not just part of it. I want to do all of it. Come on, guys. Do you want to do all that God has for you? I want to do all of it. Be fully persuaded and assured of. It's just not doing actions. God wants you to be fully persuaded and assured of the ministry that he has for you. He has placed so many precious revelations of himself inside your earthen vessel that he wants just, he just wants you to be in his hand and allow him to pour you out. But you'll never get empty. As, you, as you're in God's, as you stay in God's hands, you'll never be empty. Even, even as God is pouring out, you won't get empty because in his presence, you, he just fills you right back up again and pours you out again. There's no greater place to be than in the hand of the master. Amen. Just that cup. You ever have those cups where you, you put your hand on them? It's just like someone who's got the grooves for your fingers. You're like, well, that fits perfect. That's just like that in the hand of the master of our Papa God. His hand just fits perfectly around the vessel that he has created in us. Amen? So fulfill it. It's your ministry. It's yours to fulfill. It's, your ministry is not mine to fulfill. My ministry is not yours to fulfill. It's your ministry that you have to fulfill. It's given to you by God. It's your personal conviction from God. It's your mandate given by God. Fulfill your ministry. And that's just, think of all those different definitions for those words. Ministry, it's just simple. A service. We're called to serve. Fulfill your service. Fulfill your ministry. That word also has along with it, with that service, it's a service of relief. You're bringing relief to someone else. Jesus is the healer. He's the savior. He's the deliverer. He's the standby. I mean, I, I, there's nothing in this world that has ever given me greater relief than in God's presence whenever he ministered to me. Come on now. And you already got what it takes. We need to break down those lies that, that says that you don't have exactly what you need right now to minister to somebody. If you're in here and you're saved, you are, you are sitting on what God has for you to share with others. Come on. Missions needs to go from the back burner to the front burner from being a side dish to the main dish. Come on now, man, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. That's good stuff, brother. Amen, hallelujah. So there's three things that I want to share with you this morning um, that I want you to have, and it's going to be very easy. I try to make it as simple as possible because it's not about preaching well if you don't remember what's being taught. I want this to get into you. I want impartation. I really believe that in my prayer time this week, I felt like God was going to do some impartations this week. I truly believe that when we get together, that there, that's why I believe in the corporate gathering. Because there are things that you can't get outside the corporate gathering that God has ordained to happen when you gather together in his name. And some of those things you know whenever God is touching you, you know what's happening. Other things you're getting imparted into, even if you don't feel it, even if you don't see it or understand it, there are things in his presence together corporately because the greatest anointing on the earth, obviously I'm not talking about God's anointing, is the corporate anointing. When we come together in unity, God will impart things to you right now. So there's things being imparted into you because you're just connected to Jesus and you're connected here together. And when it needs to come forth, he'll draw it out. Well, I didn't know that was in there. You're right, I snuck that in there at that one service. And now I'm pulling on it. Amen. So here's this. We're fulfilling our ministry. You need to know this, that you have a public and a private 
ministry. When I say public, I don't mean that you're going to have to speak before people like, you know, at, at, a, at a pulpit or something like this. To be honest with you, I think a lot of this stuff is probably going to be fading away a little bit. Not to say the church is going to die down, but the majority of ministry is going to be happening outside of a setting like this. The lecture setting won't be as prominent as we move forward into the coming of Jesus. Amen. It's going to be in homes. It's going to be just out and about in everyday life. Don't, don't get shocked. I'm not, you know, this is not unscriptural. I mean, look at the book of Acts and see what was going on, right? It's not taking away, but in some ways, this has been, un, it has been ineffective because if all we're doing is being filled up and we're just sitting here, come on. It's our ministry. You have to get serious and sober about your ministry and then go do it. It's just seeking God, asking him to show you. He'll show you, and then you just be obedient to it. You can't, he's not going to show you something and you're not obedient to it, and you keep going, well, give me more, give me more, give me more. You'll get more as you go. Amen. Hallelujah. So you have a public and a private ministry. Let me show you scripture. Mark chapter 4, verse 33 and 34, if you're taking notes. And if you need, I can make my notes available since we didn't have it online, but Jesus used many stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. But afterward, when he was alone with his disciples, say private ministry, he explained everything to them. So, you know... There's, there's times really in that time of our own, our own homes with our own children, you know, our own families, our own friends, that we're just in that private time. We're just, we're just conversing about the Lord. But then there's times that we need to be able to be bold, to be able to speak everything that was already in that private time with God, that we're able to share that with other people as we're being obedient and just asking Him and being willing to take the time out of our busy schedule. I just got to get the eggs and get home. I got to get the eggs and get home. Well, what if, what if God says, I just want to take you a moment right here and just minister to this person right here. I got to be willing to lay my eggs down and take just a moment to impart, to be the God seasoning, the God colors for that person to help them see whatever it is that God needs them to see in him. Amen? So you have a private and a public ministry. It's not meant to be. We talk about we're going public with this. It's, it's not going to be hidden. We're not going to hide it under a bushel. We got too much light in us. Amen. The second thing you need to know is this: with this public and private ministry, your first public and private ministry is to God. That's your first ministry. It's to God. Now, in the, in the book of Acts, you know, as the churches were growing. Uh, in chapter number six, the church was growing and there were some things, some, some natural things, some natural ministry as they were like distributing food and stuff. Some people were getting neglected in, the, in that ministry of really helping them, you know, get the foods and being taken care of. And uh, they came and brought it to the apostles and the apostles said, well, you know, it, it's, uh, we don't want them to be neglected, but we, we can't neglect our time with the Lord, and, and, and this at the same time. So choose seven guys, choose seven men. You can say men or women, you know, because it's available for all, but choose seven people that, uh, that they're filled with the Spirit, right? That they're full of wisdom, and that word wisdom actually means this, that they know how to regulate their relationship with God, whatever they feel like they have. They know, how, they know how to tap into God's presence, right? 
They know how when things aren't going well, well, they know how to get the victory through Jesus. And, and those that um, have a good reputation. So he said, do that. And we'll, this is what the scripture says, um, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry or the serving of the word. You know, you want to get to know God, you got to get into the word. That's where we find out who he is. Amen. So there's a ministry there. So really, you know, that, that prayer time, uh, that word time, really that time of praise and thanksgiving to God for what he's done already. Everything, this can be a hard thing. God spoke this to me years ago. It was hard to hear it at the moment, but I understood. Thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit that he can tell you something hard and give you understanding at the same time. And you just said to your spirit man, just like, when are you going to get it? And your mind's like, what the heck is going on? And this was one time I was in prayer and I was asking God about something. And he said, Jeff, I've already given you everything I'll ever give you. And I was like, what? In my mind. But in my spirit, it was like, that's true, that's true. That's true, it was done on the cross. I was like, what? Right? Takes your, takes your spirit man to be able to help your mind to understand these things. And it's true. He's already finished everything he's ever going to do. It's already done. We just need to be renewed in our minds to understand. And that comes by the spirit. And that's part of that praise and thanksgiving. That's part of our, 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 our private and public ministry to God. It's private with him first. Now listen to this. Public ministry for God is birthed from public ministry to God. For private ministry to God, I meant. Public ministry for God, going out and doing things for him, is birthed from that private ministry to God. Everything, you know, how do I get, you know, different things as we teach different things. If you've ever been blessed by anything I've ever taught, how do I get that? I get it in private times with God. And I take that. And I don't, I don't just like bring something real quick. I make sure that I take it, I receive it, I, I want to live it before I give it, because I don't want it just to be knowledge. I want it to be an impartation. Things that are lived get imparted. Things that it's just knowledge we're passing on, it's just knowledge. It can be there and just dropped. Amen? So public ministry for God is birthed out of private ministry to God. Now, there's another scripture in Acts uh, chapter 13. It says this, now there were at Antioch in the church that was there prophets and teachers. Well, there's some public ministry, right? Now check this out. These public ministers, their prophets and teachers were there. It says, while they were ministering to the Lord. There's a private ministry of these public ministers. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke. One translation says, the Holy Spirit manifested himself. Because when, when the Spirit speaks, he's manifesting himself. He, began, he begins to bring forth Something And he said this, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. In our private ministry to God, he will speak to us and bring a light that we need to be able to see where to go. See, it was in that private time that they really got the call from God for the very first missionary trip to go out. And as they went around, where they went around to minister for the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as public ministry for God is birthed in private ministry for God, or to God, light that pierces darkness is found in the privacy of his presence. You want a light, revelation light of God that pierces darkness? It's found in the privacy of his presence. 
This is the whole key. This is why, this is why people, when Jesus would speak, that they would say to him, hey, you don't teach like our regular teachers here. I mean, there's an authority. There's something more than what they've got. Jesus knew how to connect with the Father. And he taught us how to connect with the Father so that we could help other people connect with the Father. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. So before God will send you to places on your feet, he wants to show you things on your knees. That's that private ministry to the Lord. You'll never truly be able to stand until you learn how to sit. That'll preach, right? Actually, it does a long time ago. Watchman Nee wrote a book called Sit, Stand, Walk. You sit with God first. Learn how to stand in his promises, and then you walk out what he has for you. You can read it. Praise the Lord. Last thing, talking about public and private ministry. You have one. Your first ministry is that public private ministry is to the Lord. Your second public and private ministry is to others. I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says this, if anyone is in Christ, really enfolded to him, it has a picture of like ingredients. You ever like, you know, you do an ingredient, you have some dough or something like that, and you put it in and you, you make a hole inside the, that ingredient in order to put all these other ingredients in, and then you begin to fold things over until it really becomes one. It's not just, it's not just stirred. God's just not stirring you up. I mean, he'll stir up your spirit, man, but this is being enfolded into him. It's a beautiful thing. He does not whip it out and go, all right, how'd you like that? No, he tenderly takes you and folds you into himself, right? So anyone in Christ or enfolded him is a new creature, a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, everything is fresh and new. Now all these things, all these new things, all these fresh and new things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. That word reconciled there means this, changed us from enemies to friends. He changed us from being his enemies to being his friends. You know, the greatest thing that God wants to do, if you have enemies in your life, the greatest justice that God will bring towards your enemy is to make him a friend. Come on now. Give them what they need, Lord. Right? No. God wants them to know him. And to be able to have, bring them even into your life, if it's as possible in them, you know, as much as it is in you is, be at peace with all men. But some men don't want peace. And, and they'll go to their grave not wanting peace. They'll hold on to whatever. And that's between them and the Lord. But I and you want to fulfill our ministry. He said, he has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us, look at this, he has given us the ministry, the service of reconciliation. This is our ministry. Everything that you do, whatever you, you feel your purpose is, my purpose is to have a coffee shop and make the best coffee possible for people to come together and worship Jesus. And we're going to send our proses to do missions. Awesome. That's awesome. But there's also everything wraps up into us being able to reconcile people back to God. Whatever it is, that's involved in it. Whatever it is you feel your calling, your gifting is, it's geared towards reconciling others back to God. It's a ministry, restoring others to friendship with God. In other words, it says here, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us, or really placed in us, the word of reconciliation. There's a service, and there's something to give. There's a word. There's a service that needs to happen. Who's next? What's keeping me from doing that service? Show me the one. 
And then he said, there's a word of reconciliation, the ministry really of opening up the door to friendship with God. See, we've got the keys of the kingdom now, right? That's where the, that's where the Pharisees and the Sadducees, that's probably why they were sad, because they didn't have the keys, right? Or they were hiding the keys from everybody else. But we've got the keys to the kingdom now. He's given them to us, and it's on the foundation of this that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And we can open that door. And let me say, I don't know how you've experienced God up to your point, this point in your life. And you want to listen to their, to their stories. You want to hear their heart. Let them share. Repent on behalf of others that have hurt them if they were Christians. Stand in the gap for them. I'm so sorry that you were treated that way. That is not the way God intended it to be. You should have never been treated that way. You're, you're recognizing that. Let me show you really how good God is. Let me open this door. I'll go in with you. you. You have the power to bring God's presence to people that don't know his presence. And they're crying out for his presence, even if they don't say it. You don't, don't even understand it. Every single one of us were born to be in his presence. Every person wants it, even if they don't know it at the moment. So he's given us this word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, as though God were making an appeal, or really a tender plea through us, where we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Come back to God. Come back. For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us. He, Jesus became sin. Sometimes people miss that. He became sin for us. So that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. But God will give you exactly what the person needs that he's placed in your heart to minister to.